Perspectives on a Pandemic is the project and original work of Alex Lambert, bringing a variety of voices on our current global situation. It is a production of the Sager Broadus Gallery Artists in Residence program in KBIA. Marilyn Karras is a nurse practitioner and wellness consultant in functional women's health. Jennifer Clemente is a board-certified clinically trained nutritionist who founded Body Bliss Nutrition in New York City, where she partners frequently with Marilyn Karras in support of women's health. Please welcome Marilyn Karras and Jennifer Clemente. Hi. Hello. Hi, Alex. How are you doing, Alex, with all of this uh, happening right now? It's a lot. It's a lot. I think it's a perfect time to be talking to you guys. So you guys are are doing these wonderful Tuesday office hours on Instagram. And I started paying attention to them and, um, and just being really excited that there was information from somebody I trust <laughs> about a lot of the just health issues of building our immune systems and, and what we know about the virus and these. And I think I wanted to start a little bit about you know, you got how you started doing those and what and what you were trying to respond to in the in the community. Um, okay, well, I'll go and then I'm going to introduce Jen. My name is Marilyn Karras, um, and I've been working as an integrative functional medicine practitioner for now over maybe six years. Um, but I originally started as a public health professional. I spent over 15, close to 20 years working at Bellevue, our biggest um, public hospital. And most of my training is in women's health and really about how to sort of take care of kind of the most basic of needs. Most of my patients didn't have any resources, so we really relied on some of the the only things, the only tools we had, which was sort of listening. And so from there, I realized that I really wasn't getting anywhere with any of our conventional treatments for people who had chronic issues. Um, and, and I found that I was really limited in my ability to help them heal. Um, and so I really started to dig a little bit deeper into what other options we had available to us. And that's what kind of led me down the road of sort of natural medicine and integrated medicine and functional medicine. Um, and so my the way I sort of structure working with patients now is I really take that sort of like foundation that is really based on science and evidence um, and then pulled in all of the things that uh, really help to heal the body kind of holistically. And that's how I work now. Um, and then online with us is Jennifer Clementi. She's my partner. We work together on lots of cases. Um, and so I'll let her talk about her. Hey, everybody. I am Jen Clementi. I'm a clinical nutritionist and a functional medicine practitioner. And I've been practicing in this space for about seven years now. Um, and I actually have a very different background than Marilyn. I came from this from a totally different field. And I came to this because my own health failed. And I was going through, I don't know, over a year, maybe even close to two years of going to different doctors and working really hard to try to figure out what was wrong with me. And no matter how much I, you know, I told the doctors that I saw that I was really ill, um, I was amazed that no one really actually tried to get to the bottom of it. My routine tests were normal. So I was offered uh, antidepressant medication, even though I kept saying I'm not depressed, I'm in pain, like actual physical pain. So after going through that for a while, I started digging around into um, alternative methods, nutrition, uh, Ayurveda, all kinds of different things. And then finally, I did land with a couple of functional medicine practitioners who helped me. 
And that was when I decided I wanted to go back to school and figure out how to do this for other people because it was just outrageous to me that you can be so sick and no one would try to really get to the bottom of it. Yep. Yep, yeah. I know. So when when all of this kind of started, uh, this global pandemic became part of all of our lives. Um, I'm interested because I think there was a lot of just like m- lack of information, misinformation about about even what we know about the virus itself, what the symptoms are and how it's attacking people and what the comorbidities are. And so I guess I wanted to start just by talking about what we know about it. Well, I think, you know, what we know about the virus, uh, the, the first thing and what we often hear is that it's a novel virus, right? And so what, what that means is that it's new to the human population. So we really only have the past four to five months of information regarding how this virus behaves in our bodies. Our science is limited in terms of our ability to really speak about it. We derive a lot of the information about uh, about. Um, coronavirus from previous other coronaviruses and other viruses and the way they behave in the body. So some of the information we have that's kind of based on sort of recent studies that we've done in the past four or five months, some of it's based on other viruses that are from the corona family, and some of it is based on just immunology and what we know about viruses and how they interact with our body. Yeah, and part of the interesting thing about this particular virus is, you know, it seems like the longer we are aware of it and the longer it's on our radar and the longer it's in the human body, we just keep seeing these, you know, new effects and new symptoms and new inflammatory conditions. It seems like the longer it's in the body, new and different things start happening that we would have never put together initially when we were really looking at this primarily as a respiratory condition. You know, but now we're seeing so many, uh, so many symptoms really in every system of the body. You know, someone can have an eye problem and it can be connected to COVID. Um, you know, it's just really, it's endless, the, the different yeah. symptoms. Can we just talk about some of the things that are appearing that, we, that could at least would be good to know, oh, this might be a symptom of it? Sure. Um, Sure. Some of the, the, I mean, I think by now people are aware that it, it also presents in quite a few people with GI symptoms and they don't necessarily wind up having respiratory symptoms. Um, some do, some don't, but you can have uh, like intestinal pain and diarrhea and loss of appetite. Those can all be symptoms associated with COVID. But then there's also even some, some ones that we're hearing much more infrequently, and that would be things that look like chicken pox you know, hives, different kinds of skin presentations. There's something that people are talking about now called COVID toe, where like the large toe swells up and turns purple and is, you know, is that's their primary symptom. It's so strange. There, Some people just have brain symptoms where there's confusion, um, you know, and, and loss of brain function. Marilyn, what are some of the the more interesting or unusual ones that you've been seeing? What I feel like what is so fascinating is, the sort of broad depth of feel of depth of symptoms, you know, like they'll begin with feeling a little fatigued or perhaps a, a little bit of joint pain or some a little bit of a cough, you know. So it, sometimes it'll take a similar fashion in the way the symptoms come on, but then from there that trajectory is completely and utterly different, right? Like then right. it's like people all sorts of other things. I mean, I've seen a lot of my patients have kind of fallen into some of the more broader spectrum of symptoms, like fatigue, persistent, really, really difficult fatigue that lasts far beyond the infection, right? So that's a key piece to remember is that you can 
heal from COVID, um, but that you may also have some things that linger, right? And that speaks right. to sort of what's happening in the body, both before you had the illness, but then as your body is dealing with the illness. Um, fatigue, I've been having a lot of strange eye, like a lot of patients with really strange eye conditions, um, not any one in particular, which is interesting. And then the whole gamut of like the loss of sense of smell and taste, I definitely, that has been pretty consistent with most of the patients I've been seeing. I've had some sort of GYN-based symptoms, irregularities in the menstrual cycle, bleeding unexpectedly. So some definitely things that are not necessarily always attributed to it, but right. that we know because of the way the, the insult to the body is so great from this virus, that of course it can impact any system in our body, right? Like right. That's, that's what we've learned about this, right? Is that it, it truly right. doesn't act in one way. It acts in, in a multitude of ways on the body, you know? And it does seem also like just from following the people I know who have it or have had it, that it that it's like a, not an inconsistent. It's not like you have all these symptoms for a number of weeks and then they. It just seems like you might have a little bit of a lottery of symptoms. Definitely, the trajectory is highly, highly variable. Highly variable. You know, I think a lot of that though has to do with the the particular body that it's inhabiting. Right. So sort of how how healthy you are going into it, I think, does play a role in the course that it will take in your body. I think there's, you know, part partly anyway. Yeah, I agree. Right. I agree. And, there, um, you know, there's been a lot of really interesting sort of literature from uh, some of the functional integrative medicine um, institutes and sort of bodies that we refer to. And a lot of it has been talking about sort of like really thinking about kind of the way that we structure this illness in terms of really thinking about what was happening in the body beforehand, right? What's yes. happening when the body is recently infected, what's happening when the body starts to have that increased inflammatory response, and then what's happening in the body afterwards as it starts to deal with it, you know? Right. Uh, so there's a lot to, to do at various different points in this illness that can help to support the body. So that's that was what I wanted to focus on next. So if we are all trying to preemptively get ourselves into the best shape and get our immune systems as strong as we can, what, are, what can we be thinking about for, I mean, I, you know, we have general ideas about our health. But. So, you know, of course, we hear a lot of the same things over and over again with the basics, right? That you should eat well for your particular body. That means eat food that you need. The same food may not be for everybody, but in general, what that means is eat clean, healthy, whole foods, right? Not a lot of processed foods. Drink a lot of water, be very hydrated, um, you know, work on your stress levels. Make sure that you have good sleep hygiene. Your room is, you know, sort of your oasis. You are, um, it's sparse, it's dark, it's quiet. You know, you give yourself every possible opportunity to get a good night's sleep. And, you know, those are kind of baseline things that we should all be doing every day anyway, just to keep our bodies as healthy as possible, and especially in face of something like this. Um, and then, you know, we have different supplements that we may recommend at different points through the COVID journey. And preventatively, um, there are some really great baseline things that I think pretty much everyone agrees by now. There's, you know, some research that is actually starting to show now that these things are legitimate and do work and are important. Um, and things like vitamin D, vitamin A, zinc, vitamin C. There's a lot of, you know, research around vitamin C right now. 
There's other ones that we use as well, but those are sort of like, for me, I think the core baseline four for pre-COVID. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, I, I, I agree with all of that. And from a public health perspective, I always think about what are the things that we can do that are easily accessible, right? Yes. Um, that can really sort of shape the way your body responds to this. If we think about what's happening right now, right, in our world, right, we are um, still in the middle of this pandemic in many ways, right? And yep. we are now dealing with, right? And we are now dealing with a, uh, you know, a, an absolutely heartbreaking situation, you know, where there's so much social unrest, you know, like I completely agree with everything that's happening in terms of the response to it. And right. we have to think about the stress response in our body, right? It is so important in terms of our body being able to handle insults like a virus, like the coronavirus, that we help work on bringing our bodies into some kind of balance. It may seem like a Herculean task right now, even <laughs> right? Like, but I think that if, if you think about what has happened, even if we just start sort of with this current pandemic, all of my colleagues who were working in hospitals, right, who were overwhelmed with the number of people coming in, all I kept talking to them about was sort of feeling your feet, having like at least a minute where you take time to feel grounded, right? Because right. we can't think that right now we're just going to wish all of this away. It's not going to go away like that. So mm -hmm. yeah, I was interested in hearing uh, yeah. as much as possible how, uh, managing stress that seems completely unmanageable. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's true. And like, so I, part of like the, the protocol that I put together for most of my patients and sort of what Jen was also mentioning was like thinking, eating clean, right? Focusing on sleeping, sleep at sleep priority, right? Um, some sort of really nice, very good quality as best you can buy supplements to help support your immune system. And then really working on that sort of stress response piece in the best way, right? Like meditation yeah. in the midst of a complete, um, what shit show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, shit show. Um, seems like it's completely irrelevant and undoable, but we can always take a minute to take a deep breath. And the impact that that can have on your immune system is huge. Uh, what if you what if you contracted? Does that change what you're suggesting or what you're uh, you know looking at in terms of people's kind of daily habits, or does it stay the same? So it definitely changes. I think it becomes more important to ramp up all of those different things. Um, nutritionally, I really try to stress um, getting as much nutrition as possible. Um, you know, is e in easily. Uh, absorbable forms. So I really like things like bone broth. Um, if you can make a pot of bone broth at home or have someone that you know make that for you, it can be really healing and nourishing and it's easy. You just drink it. You don't have to spend energy digesting it. You know, they're eating just clean, no sugar, vegetables, eating proteins, you know, as, as much of the, the clean, healthy foods as you can have access to. Supplements do change in my practice and the way that I'm working with people that have COVID. There are some additional things that I might recommend for when they first become infected. Things like uh, something called N-acetylcysteine is really good. It's useful for the lungs. It's also great for immune building. Something called glutathione, something called uh, quercetin. 
So all of these things, I think, can just kind of take it to a deeper level. It is very individual because you really do need to think about what the person's health is beforehand and what issues are right. with, right? Um, there are definitely some sort of protocols you can put into place as sort of like an infection comes on, as the inflammation starts, where there's things you can shift to and do. And, and that I feel like is a really individual thing, but there are those things that are basic, right? That like vitamin A... I'm uh, sorry, vitamin C and vitamin A, um, zinc and D, which are pretty basic. And a, most people can tolerate that without any problem. You can stay mm-hmm. on those. Not high dosing. This is sort of like regular maintenance level dosing for most of those things. Vitamin C, you can go up higher in. I feel pretty right. comfortable with that one. Can we talk a little bit about the difference between the different tests that are available and when they we should or shouldn't think about getting them? How, can we get them this kind of information? Testing, I think a lot of people are hoping that testing will just be the end all and we'll all find out that we have antibodies and then we can all kind of live happily ever after, but they, that really may not be the case. So I think right. we're still trying to figure a lot out about what does actually having antibodies even mean and does it mean that you have immunity? Does it mean you have immunity for just one year? There's the antibody test and then the actual... So there's the... Um... There's the diagnostic test, right? That's right. the test that you, uh, for the most part right now, that's available that would be the swab, the nasal swab, right? That tests for the presence of the virus in your body. Um, a test that is positive, uh, a true positive test reflects the fact that you are, you have that, uh, you have the coronavirus and you are infectious, right? Um, and then the other test that Jen was talking about was uh, the antibody or the immune testing, which is the reaction of your immune system to the virus. That antibody testing is becoming more and more widespread now. Um, You know, now the major labs across the country are carrying it. So it is becoming a lot easier to get that test. But, you know, there, there are some issues with antibody testing that we've encountered. For example, there's different types of antibodies that your body can make to, um, you know, to this virus and to any virus. And there's three really, three different classes. It's IgM, IgA, and IgG. And each one may get made at a different point in the evolution of the way your body is seeing it and dealing with it. Currently, widespread antibody testing is only looking at IgG, which for some people may actually miss catching that your immune response because you may only have IgM in your blood at the time. Uh, Some other people may only have IgA in their blood at the time. So it's, you know, it's difficult to pinpoint exactly when your body would be, I mean, we have timelines what we think it's supposed to do, but we're seeing that a lot of negative tests are coming up with people that were pretty, you know, certain that definitely had it. So I, I think there's a lot of questions about that right now. We've had to try to figure out which of the tests that are available are the most reliable, right? right. The, since this is a pandemic, the FDA, they do not have to meet the criteria that the FDA normally puts out. Most of the tests that are the most reliable ones have met them. You know, I think with COVID in particular, there's a, another layer to why you may get a false negative on the test, right? Because the way that the virus is interacting with the immune system, it actually has the ability to suppress certain parts of the immune system. So when that's happening, it makes it challenging to to really understand the timing of when you can get a, a test result right, that is right. reliable. 
So there, there's so many levels aside from just the problem with the actual rollout of the test and the new science of the test and the fact that not everyone's looking at the same elements of the testing. Um, it's the way the, the, the virus is really interacting with our immune system that makes it hard to catch. Lyme disease sort of has a very similar right. pattern in terms of evading the immune system's uh, ability to detect it, right? And that's why Lyme disease is so difficult to diagnose um, is because it can be so evasive to the immune system, right? Um, and so that's, right, it's like a whole different layer that uh, that makes it even more complicated, you know? Right. Timing of, timing of getting a test, especially when we're talking about the antibody test is really essential. So when you guys are doing your, um talks and people are asking you questions, what do you feel you hear the most about what everyone's concerned about? I think a lot of people are asking about sleep, uh, asking about what secondary issues. Uh, I was speaking to someone just a couple of days ago, uh, a couple, ha both of them had a bad case of COVID uh, in the month of April for the whole month, and then they relapsed. And now, you know, we're in the beginning of June and both of them are having secondary things that are starting to, to happen. One of them has some new lung, lung stuff that's happening and seems like it will be lasting. And the other one has neurological conditions starting now. So I, I think in the severe cases, we, you know, there's just, it, it can just continue to morph. Yeah, yeah. We, I think, I feel like it's, you know, with each stage that we've gone through with this pandemic, um, the questions that we were getting have changed. Like in the beginning, it was, you know, how do I avoid getting it, right? And so how do I support my immune system to not succumb to it? Um, what are the things I knew to, to do to keep myself safe, right? And then it was, when you have it, how do I mitigate it in whatever way I can, you know? Um, and then afterwards, it, uh, once getting through it, if you can, then it's uh, how do I deal with the sort of post-viral symptoms that sometimes will come up? And now it's how do I deal with social unrest, right? Like there's right, right. So I mean, is there? Yeah. yeah, I mean, are there new? Are there kind of or not new, but maybe more specific um, co comments or thoughts about that that you want to share? We are still dealing with um, the effects of the pandemic on our body, uh, physical body, mental body, all of it. You know, we haven't we haven't come out of that yet. Like I don't, we haven't even dealt with. The PTSD that we're going to experience having gone through this, right? I and think it's now, going to be a national health crisis like we've never seen. Yeah, and yeah, and now we have this, which is you know, which is incredibly difficult to deal with. You know, for those of us who are seeing it, hearing it, doing it, in it, you know, and I and I just keep coming back to the fact that we have to figure out a way to support our nervous system to be, right. to have a sense of community, right? So, so many of the pillars of functional medicine um, we have to employ right now, right? It's the food that we eat. It's the sense of community. It's the way we handle our nervous system, right? All of those things are really important in terms of maintaining health. I mean, I do think that like, there are a lot of good resources. Jen and I do do the IG Live every week, you know, and we do try to cover sort of the specifics about what we're handling right now um, as humans in the world. Um, but also we kind of try to go into a little bit more general discussion of kind of uh, holistic and functional perspective to wellness and health. So yes, that. I definitely recommend these IG talks for sure. <laughs>
Yeah, and the, what, what we especially love about doing these talks is it gives anyone out there an opportunity to ask someone outside of their conventional medical doctor a question about their health from a different perspective. So that's really why we set up these, um, the, we call them virtual office hours, but they're really community office hours. So it's an opportunity for anyone with any kind of question about their own health to sign on, listen to what we're chatting about, ask us questions about their own health or about a loved one's health, and we will give you our perspective from a functional medicine uh, you know, perspective. I, I truly, I, I love working this way with patients and I, I couldn't do it in a public health setting because it's just not reasonable to be able to sort of like dig in like this in five to 10 minutes, like we were allowed, but that I really want to figure out a way to make some aspects of it really easy to be able to hear and access. We can't, I can't advise specifics, but I, we really can talk about like kind of what we do and the nature of sort of the relationships that we form and how important all these different aspects are on your health. Because we don't get this opportunity with our medical providers in our current situation, right? We just, we don't, we don't have time to sort of talk about our health concerns in a way that's really meaningful. So it's important for people to understand that, that there's a lot we can do to achieve a better sense of sort of wellness, um, but it takes someone who's willing to sort of like talk to you and look at it from a different perspective. Yes, well, I think it's hugely helpful. And I just have one other uh, little resource that I'd like to offer. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are confused about eating, how to eat for their body, you know, what's what food is actually good for them. Um, so if anyone wants it, I have a free guide on my website. You can just go right on and click on it. And it's uh, basically a a 21-day reset uh, or a 28-day reset so that you can go through this process of figuring out how food is affecting your particular health condition. Um, and that's totally free to anyone who wants to try it. And it's it's a useful tool. I've used it with all of my clients um, and I've used had a lot of people tell me that they've used it without me working with them. And it's been helpful to pretty much everyone. So I, I can you say your website? Sure. It's bodyblissnutrition.com. Thank you. Thank you. And Jenna and I are always, we work together, we collaborate, um, and it's really important in terms of how we manage patients. But I really think the key point is like, how do we reach people to get them to understand that they, that we have the power to try to understand our health from a better perspective, that we don't have to rely on somebody in a white coat or not to tell us what to do, right? Like we can take charge of our health and we can sort of start to sort of change the way that we feel, which is really amazing and totally true. And you know, oh yeah, my website is MarilynKaris.com and I am also on Instagram at MarilynKarisNP. And that's where you'll find these chats too. And both of yeah. you are on Instagram. Yep. My handle, I guess you call it on Instagram is Body Bliss Nutrition. Well, thanks so much, Alex, for inviting us on. Thank you for coming on. I, I appreciate it so much. Yeah, thank you. This was great. <laughs>